It's one of those adages. I, I, I was training just on the weekend and I said to somebody, you wouldn't go into a restaurant that were advertising they had an untrained chef. Yet we seem to think it's okay to throw unskilled people at a coffee machine and say, go make coffee. It's not important. Like we're not going to grow the specialty coffee industry if customers don't have a high quality, engaging customer experience that compels them to come back and get more. We really believe that investing that time and money into our training is super important in order to have the output of successful employees and potential growth in the future. Welcome back to the Fifth Wave podcast. I'm Jeffrey Young, Editor-in-Chief of Coffee Business Magazine, Fifth Wave. Coffee and hospitality is a people business and therefore provides so much scope for error across every level of every human interaction. Whether you're a one-off operator or a large-scale multi-outlet chain, getting consistency, yes, every time and in every location can be one of the hardest tasks to master. And with customer expectation so high in this vastly competitive landscape, how people need to be at the top of their game, not just for your business, but for their own development and career paths. Why is it historically that so few coffee and hospitality businesses spend much time and resources on training and development? What are the business benefits to operators of investing in training? And what does a good training and people development program look like? In this episode, we'll be answering these questions and more by speaking with Ben Helt of the Specialty Coffee Association and Diana Getchus of Union Square Hospitality Group. And we begin by speaking with Tim Sturk, founder and director of Coffee Education at Cherry Coffee Training. Tim has been in the hospitality industry for 30 years and has worked with many of the biggest and best in our industry. Welcome, Tim. Thank you very much, Jeffrey. Great. Well, today's topic of staff training how important is coffee training? It's one of those adages. I, I, I was training just on the weekend and I said to somebody, you wouldn't go into a restaurant that were advertising they had an untrained chef. Yet we seem to think it's okay to throw unskilled people at a coffee machine and say, go make coffee. It's not important. And one of those businesses I was working with over the years was a 120 million pound a year company with coffee contributing between 40 and 50% to our profit line. When I left that company 10 years later, we were, they were a 750 million pound a year company with coffee still having that, that input and impact on the bottom line. So there is no argument for how important it is. It's, it's extremely important. And how are we going to manage it? Well, I'm going to tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into the world of training. The world of training was something I'd always been interested in. Every job I'd had in my life, I'd always been the training guy the guy who wanted to do things better and do things well. It stems back from one of my early jobs. I worked at TGI Fridays, believe it or not. And they had some of the best training in the business at that time. And that was 30 plus years ago. And a lot of that stuff stuck with me about how important it is to teach people about the products that they sell and use and make every day. And an opportunity came uh, along my life to be a, a training manager at a contract catering company. And I jumped at it because it really was the ideal job for me at that time. And very quickly, the coffee came along and it was an accident. At that time, I didn't like coffee. 
And uh, our CEO sent us on a, an appreciation of coffee. The training session was given by a chap named James Hoffman, who at that time was the World Barista Champion. And when I had looked up online what a World Barista Champion was, I was quite incredulous, a little bit arrogant, thinking, what the heck is going on in, with this world that there's a coffee competition? Who really cares about coffee that much? And I went to this training session looking to hate coffee even more and looking to dislike James. And, and I say that with a smile because we've talked about that a lot since and we laugh about it. But I went to that session and he made a coffee and I was looking to hate it. And it was absolutely delicious. I couldn't believe coffee could taste that good. And my first comment was, what did you do to this? Why is it so good? Thinking he'd put sugar in it or something sweet. He's like, that's just what coffee can do. And I was stumped. I was speechless. I said, okay, let's see what you got. And for the next three hours, he turned my world upside down in terms of what made coffee good, what made it bad, and what role people played in it. And I very quickly, as a trainer and educator, knew that that was magic. And I knew that if I could run a training program that delivered that on a daily basis, I could change the business I was working in forever. And we did. Within a year, we opened up a Brist Academy. And over 10 years, we had over 5,000 Bristas through that academy. And uh, we just hit some amazing highs just because of one cup of coffee. Well, what are the elements of, of a great training program? A, a great training program has to be relevant to the business. Got to be important to the stakeholders, whomever they might be. They might be a board. They might be one individual. But those people have to believe that the quality in the cup is the driving factor to everyday business. They have to believe that the, every customer matters. And they would hope that their customers return for another coffee and possibly bring a friend. Obviously, there's a huge people element to training, at least traditionally, face-to-face -face there in front of a coffee machine. Now we have this whole online world. There are courses online. Can you include online into a commercial coffee training program? I think the whole move to online because of COVID was brilliant. There are aspects of training, theoretical bits and pieces that can be done online because you don't necessarily need the tactile experience. Um, I don't think coffee training can be primarily online, but I think elements of it can. And I think everybody has their own unique style of training. And as a professional trainer, for me, you know, people need that visual, auditory and kinesthetic stimulation. And online doesn't give you all three of those things. So it's making sure that you can do the right things online and then do the best things in person. So that then somebody gets that whole package of learning from you. So taking a member of public straight off the street into making them a decent barista, how long would that take? Somebody who's motivated will take learning and, and run with it. Uh, interesting, I just had a phone call about a local cafe that I support with training, and they've got a, a, a Ukrainian person who's just arrived. Her husband's in the military in Ukraine. She's being hosted by a family and just wants to work. And she's had a tiny bit of experience. And so, yeah, I'll happily train that person for free. We'll help her on her journey. That person's going to be highly motivated, as opposed to somebody I had last week in a training course who was sent there by their mother. And it was a young student and had trouble staying focused. So adult learners are the best because they make a choice about learning and they really want to be there. A one-day course can work magic for many people if they're already in working behind a coffee machine. To then embed the learning takes a few weeks, a few months to really become skilled at it. And again, it depends on that learner's aptitude and attitude. 
But yeah, I would expect after three months, after they've had a foundation course or at least a, a one-day training course, they should be ready for the next step. So what can go wrong with training programs? Uh-huh. Almost the opposite of what we've just said. You know, having a certificate doesn't mean somebody is skilled and can produce a quality product. You know, that embedding period is really important. The things that can go wrong are the lack of follow-up and lack of support. And operators assuming that's because somebody's been on training that they're going to be brilliant at their job the next day. And that's not what training is meant to do. Training is meant to bridge a gap and then provide follow-up later so that people can understand what it is they need to continue to improve on. Training is a journey. It's not a Band-Aid solution for things. And I think often it gets used that way. We tick a box, we've done training, so everything should be better. And we're training people. It takes time. The costs of training must be huge. How do you convince businesses that they need to invest in training? A business owner might think we train people, and especially in today's market, people are moving around a lot. So you train all these people, you spend all this money on training, and just for a foundation barista course, including the cost of the trainer, it's a couple of hundred pounds a day per head to train somebody. And they think we spend all that money and they're going to leave. You know, what's the point of that? And my response is always going to be, but if you don't spend that money and they stay, how does that help your business? So a business has to consider training as an investment. You always want to see a return on that investment, of course, but there's no guarantee. And that's one of the risks in business. There's also no guarantee of anything in business. So we have to take those risks and approach them with the integrity of what we're trying to achieve. We're trying to run a business and develop people. And there's a balance of making that happen. Tim, thanks for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. It's been an absolute pleasure. There were so many nuggets of wisdom in my conversation with Tim, and especially appreciated his honesty. Yes, training your employees is risky because they might leave. And this has historically been a major reason why coffee operators have not invested when they really should have. But as he eloquently argued, if coffee is one of your core products, you need to take that risk and invest in coffee training if you want to grow your brand. Now let's get an overview of one of the industry's most popular trading programs by speaking with Ben Help, director of the authorized SCA trainer program from the Specialty Coffee Association. Ben began his career in public education and entered the specialty coffee industry in 2005 when he opened a roaster retail business in Kansas City, Missouri. So welcome to Fifth Wave. Yeah, it's good to be here. So let me start with a high-level question. What is the SCA's training program designed to do? The SCA Coffee Skills Program in particular, which is one of our three certificate training programs, it is meant to help people make advances in their career while at the same time advancing the entire industry. So the content of this program is meant to not just take a learner from where they are now to the status quo, but to push the industry forward and create a situation where we have a more sustainable coffee industry. Like we're not going to grow the specialty coffee industry if customers don't have a high quality, engaging customer experience that compels them to come back and get more or to brew better coffee at home. All of those things contribute to a higher demand for a higher quality product, which increases the value, which works its way all the way back through the value chain. So tell me, how many modules are there and how is the program structured? There are five modules 
within each one of those modules, there are three courses that progress in levels from foundation to intermediate to professional. On one end of those modules, we have something that's much more retail focused. So you have the barista skills module. In addition to learning all about the proper extraction of espresso and the construction of the most common beverages that we would see in a cafe, those going through that program also learn a lot about customer service, customer engagement, avoiding waste. It really focuses on espresso. Uh, along the way as compared to the next module, which is brewing. And in the brewing module, dives deep into the science of extraction, focused on the brewing of coffee, the factors involved all the way, and creating a skill set of being able to quickly correct and change factors to achieve a balanced cup of coffee. So those two modules are really focused on the retail end of things. The next module is sensory skills. And in sensory skills, definitely goes beyond what I think many of us would just assume, which is just coffee cupping. The sensory skills program, as you go from foundation through professional, goes well beyond that into sensory analysis in a more comprehensive form, preparing the learner to engage in their own design and setup of different types of tests from difference to preference testing along the way. So it goes well beyond just cupping coffee and teaches them how to train themselves to build up flavor memory, taste memory, so that they can practice those skills. So the next module I'll point out is the roasting module itself. The final module is the green coffee module, and it works very well hand in hand with the sensory skills module. And in the green coffee module, we're going to go beyond just sensory attributes, defects, and such of green coffee, and also get into physical defects, grading, understanding the supply chain. It goes into futures markets in a way that's appropriate for the current specialty coffee industry, sustainability, how decaffeination works, challenges that producers face. I do want to make clear that because this focuses on the consuming end of the supply chain, it's not like in green coffee. We're when we talk about farming, we're definitely not telling farmers how to farm, right? It's more yeah. about educating green coffee buyers and in some cases exporters a little bit more about what happens with that coffee before we see it and how it impacts both the value and the sensory experience. So that is a quick summary of what happens in that certificate program. That's one. What's the next one? Okay. Yeah. So following that, I don't think it's any surprise that one of the long-term goals, one of the missions of the Specialty Coffee Association is to advance our sustainability agenda. Now that word encompasses a lot and then it usually prompts people to say, what is sustainability? And we have a new certificate program that's aimed on socializing information related to sustainability, identifying that, and then eventually preparing people to design and implement programs that help create a more sustainable coffee industry. And so that's the coffee sustainability program. Foundation will seem very familiar. There's usually about eight to 10 hours of instruction followed by an online written exam. And this is an exploration of what is sustainability? What are the three pillars of sustainability? Why is it important for us to be talking about this? And then as you get into intermediate, you start to follow Bloom's taxonomy, moving from understand and remember into analyze and evaluate in that area. So you're looking at 
sustainability projects, evaluating them, analyzing them, commenting on them. And then the final stage in professional, you design a project meant to move the sustainability agenda forward for you or your business or someone else's business. And that can take a while. In the coffee skills program, you're looking at usually a one-day foundation course, a two to three-day intermediate course, and a anywhere between two and four days for a professional course, depending on the module. In the current sustainability program, as it sits, it may take a couple months to finish intermediate and even more time to finish up your professional, depending on your output and how you go through that. So that's the second fully realized certificate program. So the third is the Coffee Technicians Program. Now it's still in development. We do have a few courses available at the foundation level. We're getting ready in the next six to eight months to release the second level moving towards that professional. We have a inaugural group of authorized trainers, but it's still in development. But I still get two to three emails a day with people looking for this type of training. And I want to make it clear, it's not just for coffee technicians. It's for anyone who's interested in learning more about the technology that's sitting on their counter. Could you give us an outline of the other educational initiatives that are being spearheaded by the SEA? Education is a big word and encompasses more than just our certificate programs. But the majority of things that we do at the Specialty Coffee Association are education. So like our publications like 25 Magazine, online webinars, online events, or those hybrid events like the Green Coffee Summit, the research papers that we post online, the white papers, the sustainability work that we do. There's lots of ways for people to further their education with the Specialty Coffee Association, even outside of our certificate programs. What's the scale of the amount of people that have been trained or are being trained each year? Or what, just a, so um, oh, yeah. it must be a mind boggling <laughs> amount of people who have come through. In 2021, we achieved about 67,000 certificates. That represents somewhere around 40,000 learners internationally. And we have a global network of about 1,800 trainers. So what does it take to become a trainer? That is an excellent question. First, it gives me an excellent opportunity to just give a shout out to all of our authorized trainers out there. We appreciate you. None of this would happen without them. Becoming a trainer in this program, we want someone with broad coffee knowledge. And to verify this, everyone who wants to become a trainer passes a general coffee knowledge assessment. We also want those who have career experience. So part of the application process does include, have you served a cup of coffee to a customer, right? And so we want to establish that career experience, but then also training and education experience, which may or may not be in coffee, but do they have experience sharing their knowledge with others? Oh, they also have to come highly recommended. There's a recommendation process built into the application. Once they come on, they've passed that general coffee knowledge assessment. They've paid their fees. Then we take them through a four-week. It's a five-live session thing with uh, asynchronous assignments as well, where they go through a complete process of being onboarded into our system so they can go out and deliver the product. So it's not easy. It's not checking boxes. It takes a while to go from application to licensure <laughs> along the way. 
But we're really interested in working hard in increasing the health and impact of our trainer network. And it's exciting to see all that work come together. Thanks for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. After speaking with Ben, I'm convinced that whether you're a budding barista or a very experienced cafe manager, the SCA offers a vast array of training for every level. And more importantly, these programs also offer smaller cafe operators off-the-shelf training pathways to upskill their staff. If you're interested in learning more, we have linked the SCA's courses in the show notes. But what if you're a larger hospitality group and you're seeking to develop a tailored company-wide training and development program? What should it look like? To find the answer to this, we now talk with Diana Getches, Vice President of Human Resources at Union Square Hospitality Group, which operates a collection of 20 top-tier concepts across New York City. Some of the concepts trade as just one outlet, such as Union Square Cafe, the keystone New York hospitality space that was opened by founder Danny Mayer in the mid-80s whereas other brands such as Daily Provisions trade from multiple outlets. USHG also has an events and catering division, Union Square Events, which runs up to 30 additional outlets across the East Coast of America. Across all formats, the group employs over a 1,000 hospitality staff. Now that's a lot of training. Really excited to be here today with Diana Getches, who's the newly appointed VP of Human Resources at Union Square Hospitality Group. Yes, very exciting. <laughs> As of today. I wonder if you could take us through a little bit about your sort of philosophy for training and developing your staff, and then perhaps going in a bit more detail into the, maybe the structure of the programs that you implement. We have a concept called the 51 percenter here at Union Square Hospitality Group. So we believe that if you're 100% of a person, 51% of you is your emotional capabilities and your emotional makeup. That's something that we can't really teach to you, right? That's who you are as a person. And we actually, when we're interviewing, ask very specific questions that kind of test for that 51%. You know, like one of the questions that we ask, which might seem odd, but it was a question I was asked when I first joined the company a long time ago was, what is the best gift that you've recently received and the best gift that you've recently given? And sometimes we get an answer like, I don't give gifts to people. That's not uh. a 51%. <laughs> it's amazing what you'll learn about a person just by that very small question, right? Um, and then we believe that the 49% is your technical skills and your technical capabilities. So that's how you learn how to be the best cook or the best uh, server in, in the industry. And we certainly want skilled candidates and employees coming through our doors, but we really firmly believe that if you're a 51 percenter, we can teach you the 49 percent of your role in your job. Hence why we create the training programs that we do. So we believe that when you come in the door day one, you should have everything you need to be successful at your job, whether you're in our restaurants or in the home office. And we've created a lot of operations-based training programs that Start with, okay, great, you're a server, but you're going to start first at the front door working as a host. Then you're going to move as a support on the floor so you can learn that side. Then you're going to work with the coffee baristas before you even start training in your actual position. And we really feel that our employees are successful because they have a full encompassing knowledge of every role in the restaurant to be able to be successful in their role. Through COVID, we also developed a lot of online-based learning. So we have a great platform that we call the Square, our learning management system, LMS. And we took a lot of our 
trainings, diversity, inclusion, and belonging training, our tips training, our training for our managers and how to issue progressive discipline or how to hold people accountable, cash handling, things like that, and put that all on an online platform. One, because we know that our operators are so busy and might need to take the time outside of normal hours to take those trainings, but also want them to have consistent access to that training. So it's not just like, great, I sat in on a training, I'm good. I think we all know that you need to go back and sometimes retake trainings or review them again to really get them to stick. So we felt that having a platform like what we call the Square is a great accessible way for not only our employees, but our managers to also have consistent access to learning and development. So you look at your training program and, you know, for someone who's never seen it, how would it be structured? Yeah. So all of our employees from managers to line cooks to servers go through a new hire orientation. So we actually require that all of our employees, this is an in-person training, go through this within the first month of being onboarded and actually cannot go live in their role until they complete this new hire orientation, which is about a two-hour training. And we do a full deep dive into our company history, our culture, what is a 51 percenter, what is enlightened hospitality, and also, of course, go into the benefits and what makes you successful here at USHG and what you get from us. And we have found, we actually just relaunched that a couple of weeks ago now that social distancing guidelines have dropped slightly. And we have seen all of those principles being put to practice much differently than we did before. So it's kind of amazing to see how just those two hours have really made an impact on all of our employees already. So once that new hire orientation is done, everybody goes through that. And then on the square in our learning management system, we have a lot of those trainings replicated into digital form. So our employees can go back and reference it as well. And then, you know, if you're a sommelier, one of our businesses, you'll then have, okay, here's all of the wines by the glass. Here's all of the bottles. Here's all of the notes that you need to know. And then there's also the business and operational part of it. So they're spending time with the other sommeliers on the team. They're spending time with the bartenders and have a much different kind of training checklist than let's say a server would have. So theirs is much more concentrated on that skill set of being a sommelier. And I did did I hear right that it takes about a month before someone can come into that live role. What I was saying was in the first month they have to take that in-person new hire orientation. We do hold them twice a week, both at our home office and in the businesses. But I would say it depends on the business, but typically it's about two to four weeks of training before going live in the role. And that's quite expensive when you you think of it. Um, Mm -hmm. Why spend so much on training? It's important, right? Like that's investing in our future. And while it might seem like it's an investment and costly, there's a really great output to that training. We have skilled happy employees who feel set up for success in the business. We really believe that investing that time and money into our training is super important in order to have the output of successful employees and potential growth in the future. I think we've all probably been in guests at restaurants where you can just tell that the staff is not well-trained, right? They're Mm -hmm. dropping things or putting their hands in ice buckets and things like that without a glove and like not using a scoop and those types of technical things. But Mm. I think at the end of the day, to me, the biggest impact of our training and making such an investment is not only the success of our businesses, but the growth of our people and building that pipeline. And you can ask, you know, anyone in our company, 
the training that they've had has made them be successful and also happier in their roles because they feel set up for success. And do you think that sort of training development actually increases employee retention? I do. I think it, it helps our employees to feel like they've been invested in as well. So they're, they're not only giving their all to us and their skill set and their knowledge and talent, but then we're also giving them a lot of our knowledge and skill set and expectations, and they feel like they're being invested in too. Wonderful. Diana, thanks for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Thank you. Diana laid out a comprehensive training program where new employees learn a mixture of hard and soft skills, all complemented with an e-learning platform and training follow-ups. It's certainly not the cheapest solution, but Diana is convinced that this is an essential tool for her company to continue growing and remain one of New York's finest hospitality operators. I admire this mindset, and I believe that every coffee and hospitality operator should take this message on board. And that's all for this week's Fifth Wave podcast. Please subscribe to The Fifth Wave wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've really enjoyed the show, please recommend us to a friend or colleague. If you want to stay informed, visit worldcoffeeportal.com to get access to the latest global coffee news, including the Weekly Coffee Dose, our weekly newsletter collecting all the big coffee news stories of the week. Link is in the show notes. This episode was produced in the one and only Serendipity Studios in glorious Camden, North London. It was produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, Hannah Heath, James Harper of Filter Productions, and sound engineering by Chris Brister. And this week's song, in collaboration with the Coffee Music Project, is Superwoman, Be Like You by Myla. And until next time, stay safe, stay passionate, and stay caffeinated. I could be like you How hard it was to be super